0: Your host, Jim Irvin.
2: Yes, we are home. Thank you so much, Parker. Appreciate the uh, kind entrance. Time Signatures is honored to welcome today's special guest, Plain and Simple. He's been a part of the Chicago blues scene since he attended that first blues jam at Blues Etc. in 1993. He has served as a Chicago Transit Authority bus driver for 27 years. But when the sun went down, you'd find him jamming somewhere in the city, building a good name for himself. Well, that hard work and dedication paid off eventually, and now some 30 years later, Taranzo Cannon commands a much larger stage at venues all around the world. And when you see him play, you're going to enjoy his show, The Chicago Way. Taranzo, welcome to Time Signatures, my friend.
3: Thanks for having me on the show.
2: Well, I appreciate having you on here, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about. I'm so excited to hear several parts of your story, because when I get a chance to talk to a musician, I love hearing the backstory. There's, it's, it's just something about it that that really makes it enjoyable. With you, I'd like to ask you to start, what are your earliest memories of music as you were growing up? Did you have any favorite tunes in those early years?
3: You know, I guess the music of the day uh, would be Shaka Khan and the 70s music, things that my mother mm-hmm. listened to and my aunts and uncles and things like that. Parliament Funkadelic, then you got Al Green and all those cats. Right on. But then I'll hear like some Little Walter that my grandfather would play, some Muddy Waters and things like that. Not a lot of it, but just enough where I recognized it when I got a little older. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, because at the time, blues wasn't a genre for me. It was just like music that my grandparents played, you know?
2: Right, right. And
3: things that I heard in the house.
2: So many members of the Chicago blues scene have come from other states, uh, generally in the South, and ultimately... As you mentioned, it was your grandfather. Is it Lynch Cannon? Did I pronounce that right?
3: Lynch, yes, Lynch Cannon. Yes, came that, from Jackson, Mississippi.
2: Yeah, 1944. Now, that, but that really provided some fertile ground for you, didn't it?
3: It did. My family ended up on the south side of Chicago, mm-hmm. about uh, you know two blocks from Teresa's, which is an iconic club oh, yeah. that I didn't know anything about. I just do my uncles and aunts went down there, you know, and, um, you know, I was just a little kid getting some ice cream at the, you know, about a half a block from the place. But a lot of things came full circle when I got older.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, Toronzo, Mm -hmm. talk about that first guitar your sister purchased for you in 1998. Did you ever imagine that it would lead you to where you are today?
3: No, because it was just a thing where uh, she was practicing piano. And she was asking people around, the, you know, around the house, the younger people, do you wanna, you want you wanna instrument, you wanna learn how to play an instrument. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was a little bit older. I was listening to 80s music, okay, like John Cougar and sure. things like that. John Cougar, The Police, you know, uh, Devo, <laughs> you yeah. know, things like that, along with you know, Shaka Khans and all that stuff, you know, and all those bands. And I just, I, I remember hearing the acoustic sounds of uh, John Cougar actually. Right, and that's kind of what made me go into the um, wanting to play guitar because the big acoustic sound, and I love reggae too. So I was again listening to reggae at the time also. So I asked for a guitar. She bought me a ninety nine dollar harmony from a pawn shop, <laughs> and uh, I picked it up and I turned it left handed, and and the strings were upside down. And right. I remember looking on a video of Bob Marley a redemption song, uh-huh. and it was a video where he would hit the the bass strings at the top. And it's like, okay. And when I looked at the guitar, I'm like, okay, I think these strings are wrong. Because I didn't know I was a left-handed guitar player. Right, right. <laughs> I knew I was left-handed. So I came into this thing, like, totally backwards and just kind of, like, innocent. You know what I mean? So yes, we sir. we took it right back to the um, to the pawn shop, and the guy switched it lefty for me. And then that's when I could properly long, learn uh, redemption song by Bob Marley. Now, <laughs> you from,
2: from the sounds of it, those first three lessons that you got were, were pretty... Uh pretty formal, but that was about it. He was pretty much self-taught from that point forward.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, 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 mean, unless my sister read it in another interview, but I, I owe her, uh, for one lesson lost because the, she paid for four lessons every Wednesday. Right. <laughs> and I would go down there and the guy was teaching me like some country Western course or something like that. And I actually, I think I still might have his notes a <laughs> oh, wow. long ago. And, um, it just didn't feel right because I was like, I want to I wanna learn reggae. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like, there's no reggae chords. You know, there's chords. I'm like, <laughs> okay. You know, so I didn't go back there last Wednesday, but I never told my sister that I um, didn't go back. I didn't honor her the, the, the month's lesson she bought me. But I just trial and error. You know, I figured how did Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and all those guys, even right. Bob Marley, how did they learn? And I figured they learned trial and error. Trial and error or a lot of time on your hands mixed with a little bit of talent. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, yeah. So, took it from that perspective, you know.
2: Now I have to hear about your incredibly crazy lifestyle when you first got going in the jams and such. I mean, you worked all day, and then you'd hit places like Blues, etc., Kingston Mines, and some of the little holes in the wall. I can't even imagine oh, yeah. that that was an easy path. But you weren't one to take the easy route, were you? Well, you know, when you don't
3: know what you're doing, sometimes it seems easy <laughs> because <laughs> you just kind of like. I just wanted to be around cats with the like mind and, and learn learn something. And and if the jam was on the west side of Chicago and it's like, okay, all right, let's, let's go. You know, I worry about waking up in the morning and driving a bus, you know, when I get home, mm-hmm. you know. I guess I was responsible because I never, like, left the club and then went to drive the bus. You know, I've always had a buffer of uh, what I wanted to do and what I had to do. And at that time, I had, uh, you know, uh, got a family and everything going. and I was married and all that. Right. So, um, you know, that time things, responsibilities and all that stuff, but my, my wife at the time, she was very supportive and really didn't, you know, give me any flack about going out. She would come and hang out with me too, until she got tired of hearing the same old songs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The songs I've been practicing, you know, that for that whole week, just to get on stage for, you know, eight minutes (laughs) and, 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 and learn, you know, or play what I had tried to learn all that week, you know?
2: Well, I want to fast forward just a little bit to the point where you established yourself a little bit in the Chicago area, and now you're starting to get some premium gigs, including some overseas opportunities. How did that work with your employment? I mean, I've heard stories, but I want to hear it from you.
3: Some of it was luck and good timing. Mm-hmm. And then after, after a while, like when the whole thing was up where, where I joined Alligator, you know, and let's fast forward a little bit, when I joined Alligator and I was on Channel 9, then uh wgn which is a local uh, tv station here in chicago right they kind of outed me a little bit <laughs> you know <laughs> so because so, they had to call cta to get clearance on some of the video footage so now cta is kind of saying okay what is this all about like who's this guy what garage that kind of thing so now i'm thinking like oh boy they're gonna start saying he's a blues man and he's out you know, carousing and drinking and blah, 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 and he's not being responsible driving the bus. It worked the opposite for me, where they looked at it as a a feel-good story for other operators and other drivers, you know? Sure. I still had to sign a second employment (laughs) form, though. You know, they (laughs) still wanted to protect themselves, which I understand. But, uh, you know, it it worked out where I was... I would work Monday through Thursday and play my gigs on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And I would take my vacations just to... Uh, satisfied overseas gigs that I had, you know, I would plan, plan that accordingly. But then once the CTA started to know what I did, then I I guess I got some kind of favor because the, the managers were kind of nice to me and, you know, they would let me kind of reschedule my vacation times and then they would help me, you know, leverage my off days and things like that to make my overseas gigs if it lasted a week or something.
2: Wow. So they, so you had some good support with your employer. Definitely.
3: Well, they were getting something in return also, and I guess the statute of limitations is up now because I'm retired, so there's nothing they can do to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they were getting something in return. The managers were getting things in return. Sure. Like, if Channel 2, uh, CBS, would come see me, they would get their red tape untangled by supplies and things like that, right? Because right. they'll just get a call from downtown. They'll say... Uh, media's coming. Make sure your garage looks good, right? <laughs> so, so now here comes, you know, I mean, people they, they automatically thought it was like the mayor or somebody, you know, just just coming to have a press conference. Sure. And a lot of people didn't know it was just a bus driver. You know, it was just a bus driver that was doing some, you know, different things. The reason why media kept coming, you know, right? So they would get their red tape untangled by getting supplies and and getting things they need for the garage, but. Off of my notoriety, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember one time I was checking for my bus. I was getting the bus early in the morning, and there was a guy, like a maintenance guy, looking at me. And it was kind of strange, you know. I'm, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? He's like, are, are you the guy that we clean up the garage for all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I said, yeah, yeah, that's me. And he was like, Yeah, we always think it's the mayor coming down, but but it's it's you like that. I'm like, Well, hey, you know. I'm sorry, but, you know, not sorry. That kind of thing, you know. But uh, it was, um, you know, it worked out. It worked out in my favor in the long run.
2: You're listening to Time Signatures with Jim Irvin. My guest with me at this time is Toronzo Cannon. Toronzo is big in the Chicago area, but he's even bigger in some areas of the world over in Europe. And, I mean, he's got a following just about everywhere you go. As a matter of fact, Toronzo, I was peeping on on the uh, Spotify app, you got like 25 and a half thousand followers that listen on a monthly basis to your music. That's got to be pretty cool, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's I wish I could get more. I, I wish I could be the Taylor Swift of the blues. but Right. You know, uh, but I'll take what I can get because, you know, it's just always cool that people uh, want to hear what you have to uh, sing about and hear your stories and your songs. So I never take that for granted. And that's, that's real cool. That's very cool.
2: Well, and I, I have to tell you, my first experience with Taranzo Cannon was a very positive one. Uh, when you came over to Jackson to the Blues Fest uh, this summer, and I had a chance to uh, to hear you and uh, Joanna Connor, And you all just killed it, man. You just absolutely killed it. But more importantly than that, and this is another Tip of the hat to the blues genre. The musicians are generally friendly people, and you guys, you you both treated me very well and didn't know me from Adam, and I appreciated that.
3: Yeah, you know, I I sometimes that that's a little weird because it's like, why wouldn't musicians treat just other people good? You know, I think the blues, I think the blues in some way, um, it should. If you're true to the to the culture of the blues, it should keeps you or it should keep you humble, because you know, sure. you're just a person that's you know that's just happen to have a guitar or a piano or a harmonica, and you're expressing your blues, and hopefully somebody else will and say I understand that blues, and you know they listen to it and they feel it, so that would just make me just a regular person, you know. Other than you know, I'm, I'm no better than the next man. If somebody want to talk? Oh, Let's talk, you know. Right. And um, sometimes I guess that's I got me in trouble. But like I walk out in the audience sometimes before a gig at a festival, and people start coming around me and stuff. And I'm just like, I just wanted to buy a shirt at the vendor machine over there, (laughs) you know, the vendor. (laughs) and, And I get to talking to people, and their security come running around. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm nobody special, man. It's cool, you know. It's all right, you know. And mm-hmm.
2: if, I, if I remember right, you went and did a little shopping for your daughter while you were there right after your set. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. I got her a little dress whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, i am always got my eyes open for my daughter. You know, Absolutely. Child, so I got to do it right.
2: Right, right. Well, Toronzo, I ask every musician this when I interview them, how the COVID pandemic affected their trajectory and their drive during that difficult period of time. How did it affect you and what did you do to pass the time and keep the blue spark alive?
3: Uh, you know, I, I guess the position I was in, I was, I had agency to kind of look out for me and was getting me, uh, you know, video things that I could do to kind of keep my, my face out there. I right. was doing some things myself on Facebook, sometimes Instagram. But, uh I think, uh, the fact that I had a record label, they kind of helped me stay out there, mm-hmm. which was, which was cool, you know? And, uh, you know, and then just kind of soldier through it. Now, I was still working, too. So as far as uh, money, of course, we all need money and extra money and sure. things like that. But I still was driving a bus at the time. So um, I really wasn't, like, hurting like some of my fellow musicians. They did it for a, a living. Or they do it for a living, you know? But it affected me because I couldn't get out and, you know, and do, do my gigs. You know, that was right. part of my peace <laughs> while driving the bus. You know, that was my... That was my piece, you know, like, yeah. you know, but being having a hectic day on the bus, I knew I always had something to look forward to by by playing my music or I had a gig or, I, you know, I could be out and I can, you know, just kind of relax and like, okay, wow, okay. You know, I'm around like-minded people and not people that's, you know, looking for argument on the bus, <laughs> you know, right. or traffic, things like that.
2: Now, I'm not I'm not going to let you get off that easy because you referenced uh, when we first started talking before we started recording your new hobby that you picked up and didn't you pick up the one wheel during COVID?
3: I did. I did. I picked up the one wheel during COVID. And then, uh, that was a very, uh, I I retired in 20 October, 2020. Mm -hmm. And then I got something called electric unicycle, which is like a step up one wheel, you know, it's like, uh, it's faster. It's a little bit more mobile. Um, you can go farther distances and things like that. And that's just, that's become a passion and a stress reliever. And sometimes a a thing where I could just, um, you know, I could just relax my mind and just be gone. It's it's cool. It's like you're floating.
2: Oh yeah. And, and how in the world are you playing guitar while you're riding that thing? That's, I love those videos, (laughs) man. Yeah,
3: no, it's just me, just trying to, just trying to be different, you know. <laughs> me trying to be different and um and, and and be seen, you know. Maybe I wasn't breastfed as a child, I don't know, but you know, <laughs> that's just me trying to do something different from the uh, uh, the blues men and women, you know.
2: Oh yeah. Now I have to ask you about two pieces in your instrument collection, both of which are recent additions: "Midnight mm-hmm. in Chicago," which is sexy as all get out. <laughs> And then yeah, thank you. one of Buddy Guy's fame polka dot covered Strats. I got to hear the uh-huh. details, man, because you claim that you're a victim of circumstance with the Strat. Yeah, you know, I've always,
3: <laughs> I've always like right handed Strats anyway. You right. know, again, it's a, it's a direct hit towards Jimmy, Jimmy Hendrix. You know, sure. and um, and the fact that it's a Buddy Guy Strat, this upside down now. You know, right uh it, it it already looks weird because it's got a bunch of polka dots on it but now that it is upside <laughs> down and then it's a color that's not normally made you know they only sell them at his club you know right and um so it's like you know i just i just like the weirdness of it you know sometimes i like being the only one in a, a so many block radius that there's got a different guitar you know I want to thank eric betty eric betty out of georgia for making for making that guitar for me, you know. That oh, was yeah. that was very cool. He he had heard one of my songs, uh, Bad Contract. And uh that touched him in a way where he was like, you know, because he's a musician himself, but he said he just made good stars now for um players that still have a spark and still have something to say. And he made it for me in twenty twenty. But you know, things was happening, life was happening, of course. And you know, I didn't get it until about maybe four months ago, maybe.
2: I got to tell you that thing is just flat out sexy. It really is, and it's, oh, oh it is. It and is. seeing the Chicago flag up there on the, uh, on the on the fretboard is just wow. Every, oh yeah. Every pearl. piece, every yeah. piece of that thing is incredible.
3: Yeah, I remember when he chipped up the mother pearl to make that, and it was just like wow. He because he was showing me step by step what was going on, and I was like wow, that's that's cool. And I just couldn't imagine that it would be that it would look like it would look now, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I, my first, the first gig that I took it on was Romania. <laughs> yeah. And I took it without even really like doing a little, you know, a gig as far as like, just to get the feel of it. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to jump in the deep end. And I took it right to Romania the first the first gig out.
2: That's that is so cool. Now, Taranzo, I'm under orders to ask you a question on behalf of our mutual friend, Denise Lynch. Who, by the okay. way, sends her very best along with Twyla? Um, okay, I'm thank, supposed to
3: thank them. Thank you.
2: I well, you just did, and I'll make sure they hear. Oh, okay. it.
3: <laughs> okay,
2: you got to tell me about your Emmy.
3: Uh, my Emmy. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a Channel Nine thing again. Um, okay. The Pam Grimes was the producer of of that uh, episode from Steve Sanders. Uh, he was an uh, anchor man. On channel nine, he's also a blues player. His his brother, he's a guitar player. His brother plays blues out of Canada. So we became friends and uh and things. And um, you know, I would get a couple of spotlights on WGN. Sure. And I guess they thought my story was intriguing enough to um, you know, make a whole episode on, right? And um, they met me at the garage at five in the morning. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> they, you know, they you know they they came to my house or whatever. They 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 saw the, what I go through. Like this is not. This is not something made up. I really wake up, you know, at 4 in the morning or 4.30 to get to work at 5, 5.30, whatever it is, you know. And, um, you know, they followed me throughout the day. And I didn't know it was going to be up for Emmy. I just thought it was an episode. I out they won an Emmy. And uh, Pam Grimes told me, she said that when she retires, she's going to give me the Emmy, <laughs> like that, you know. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, okay, because... You said, oh, she's got 12 of them, (laughs)
2: you
3: know, because, you know, know, she's like an Emmy-winning machine, right? Sure, sure. So, so periodically I would, I would ask her, hey, you know, can I keep the Emmy, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. So this last time she just told me, she said, why don't you just keep the Emmy, you know, until I, until I call you back or something like that, you know, and I just, I said, okay, you know, so I got the Emmy prominent on my, on my, uh, my shelf in in the apartment.
2: Very cool. Yeah. Wow. You know, you you are definitely a blessed man working in the Chicago area, uh, getting to rub elbows with the likes of Buddy Guy and some of the others. And um, as I look uh, at history and as the older generation passes from the scene, uh, as so many of them have in the last 20 years, people are now looking to people like Toronzo Cannon and others to keep the blues alive. That really must be an incredibly weighty responsibility to bear. Yes. Well,
3: it is. And it, it shocked me when you said I've been just at 30, 30 years. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's been 30 years. You know, um, it's like, wow, 30 years. Like that's crazy. But you know, it, I, I, I hold uh, Chicago I mean, dear to my heart as yes, far sir. as the the, the, the ground that, that, these blues men came from down South and they decided Mm -hmm. to land here in Chicago and create a whole different type of genre and sound of the blues. You know, I I feel it would be a disrespect if I was to to, uh, short step it or try to half step it or try to find some way to, you know, not make it right. You know, and I have to keep that me. I I I have to keep that alive in in some way in small way hopefully with the other musicians here in Chicago but I I seem to be the first one that, that came out and started yelling Chicago loudest you know the loudest mm-hmm. even of my band the Chicago way yes sir um me being a bus driver also you know I guess helped out to me being a, a city worker Knowing the ins and outs of Chicago, knowing Chicago is not a perfect city, right? But there's there's no utopia around that I know of. So you have to, you know, take take your city for its warts and all. You know, I've said that before. Um, but this, you know, I just love my city and the history of it. When it comes to the blues, and and I I don't want to disrespect the ancestors that paved the way for me to even have the guts to come out and say Chicago blues. Yes, so sir. so whenever I wave my flag and I go different places, you know, I've been to, I went to Kentucky and the guy walked up to the stage and say, "What kind of flag is that?" <laughs> <And> I was, <said, laughs> "Chicago flag." And he said, "Okay." And he walked away. <laughs> but but it 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 would it, you know, it would be not cool if I didn't um uh, again raise the flag. And and I see other musicians now kind of are being proud of the city that that they claim or that they you know claim to be their city, you know be proud of where, where we are in in the history of these blues, you know, yes sir, so yeah I, and i and I take it as a challenge, even when I go to new york i I take the flag to New York, I was in the middle of Times Square about a month ago with the Chicago flag
2: I saw the <laughs> <You> video, <know? laughs> brother I saw the video, and I love that yeah, I'm not
3: yeah, I mean it's, it's <laughs> like you have to be from somewhere and if 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 no one knows anything about. Toronto. They're gonna to know I came from Chicago. I got a gig like that too. Um, uh I know, Joe Bonamassa's boat. Um, Joe Bramhall had to cancel for some reason, mm. and one of the organ one of the organizers said, "What about that guy from Chicago?"
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: there you go. And they called. Yeah, they called the an agency, and the agency said, "Hey, you know, Joe Bonamassa wants you on the boat." I said, "Cool,
2: awesome." Yeah, that is so yeah, cool. Yeah, Toronto. We are just about out of time for this episode. I wanted to ask you though. Where can listeners find your music, your tour information, and how to book you?
3: Oh, uh, toronzocannon.com. Everything is there. Just, just like it sounds, Taranzo, Toronzo T-O-R-O-N-Z-O, mm-hmm. Canon with two Ns, and uh, Intrepid Agency. They do they they do all of my booking, and um, I'm on every stream, uh, I guess, or every um, media platform. The Instagrams, the Spotify's, and everything. You know, the Facebooks and all that stuff. You know.
2: Yes, sir. Well, Toronto Cannon, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on Time Signatures. All the best to you in the future, and by all means, keep in touch because I'm hoping before long we're going to see another CD come out or something like that, so definitely keep in touch with us, okay?
3: we win the studio next month. That's you the first one to know that. Win the studio next month.
2: <laughs> you got it. All right, man. Well, that's going to wrap it up okay. for this edition of Time Signatures. We want to thank everybody for tuning in and also Toronzo one more time for being here. And most of all, thank you all for helping us keep the blues alive.
0: Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.
2: Engaged learning and academic success is a priority at Lansing Community College. To help students navigate their educational career, LCC has created a proactive approach to learning and providing students with several academic support services. To find out what's available, visit lcc.edu services.
1: The Adult Enrichment Program at LCC offers classes in watercolor, creative welding, motorcycle safety, photography, and more. All classes are non-credit. Information about the Adult Enrichment Center is available at lcc.edu slash keep learning. LCC. Connect. Voices.
4: Vibes. Vision. Welcome to Headroom where we discuss all things essential to mental health and well-being. I'm your host, Jim Owens, a licensed professional counselor at Lansing Community College. Before we begin, I'd like to emphasize that this podcast does not constitute psychotherapy. It does, however, introduce you to some phenomenal people who have incredible ideas for you in your life. Having said that, let's get into the headroom and begin today's conversation with Stephen McCory, student at LCC. Let's get it. All right. Good morning, sir. How are hey, you? I'm good this morning. <laughs> Very good. So, introduce the listeners to who you are. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, like, uh, I'm Steven. I'm a father of two
5: sons, ten nice. year old and, and five year old. Um, I'm a MC, like a rapper. Nice. Uh, I took a break this year, okay, uh, to write a book, and that's done. Um, so I just need to put like a couple finishing edits on that okay. and then, uh, publish it. Okay. So that's, uh, who am I? That's a hard question. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, what, what part of my, uh, identity do I, uh, I also like
4: think of it this way. Like how do you describe yourself to people? So poet, musician, author,
5: yeah. Recovery coach, I guess in this okay. season, you yeah. know, that's, uh, it was funny cause it was just a paper I was writing for one of our classes was asking about my identity mm. and I was like, well. It's it's my identity is more like like the roles I play and more specifically the verbs attached to those roles. Okay. So like who I am is very like context dependent. Right. Like and
4: it's like what you're doing, not what you are, so much.
5: What I'm doing and not what I am. Yeah. Like uh, I, I feel like what I'm doing is a lot more like closely accurate of like who I am. Got it. You know, because it's that's it's like stemming from that in yeah. some way or another. And I was like. It also, like, depends on, like, you know, how deep the conversation gets, you know? True. Yeah, because, like, who am I? I'm, like, you know, at the source of it is, like, love, yeah, you know? Yeah. So.
4: Well, we don't have to perseverate on that. Yeah. Or stick on that forever. For but I think it lets people know a little bit about who you are, where you're from. Like you said, you're a father. I think other students at the college can relate to being a parent. Hmm. And um, where are you at in life right now? I mean, this so, is another big question. So, <laughs>
5: like, usually I'm, I'm pretty good. Right. I'm I'm, well, it definitely fluctuates. But like right now, I think I'm in chaos. Uh, I was just talking with my friend about it this morning and we were trying to, you know, find the root of that. Right. Yep. Because I haven't done laundry in two and a half weeks.
4: That's (laughs) that's okay. Yeah. I follow you.
5: Yeah. And and that's just like one aspect, like the van, Mm. the inside of my van. That's also communicating like (laughs) something's going on. I'm just picturing
4: with two kids. I'm picturing Cheerios and like bags of what is kind of mess in there? It's a little bit of a mess right now
5: and I don't Mm. like it but like I was talking with my friend like trying to find like what is the root of like like this but um where I'm at in life right now is I put a little bit of extra weight on my shoulders Mm. um you know I I just got promoted at work Mm. and I also took on another job on the weekends okay and then I was like well I'm gonna try to take three classes this semester Between that and the kids and like everything, yeah, it's it's a little bit extra weight, yeah, and I can feel it right now, yeah. So I need to, like, take a breath, really be a lot more intentional Mm -hmm. with each one of my movements Mm -hmm. right now to try to um, reverse Mm -hmm. the atrophy that's Mm. happening right now.
4: Yeah, because it's not only the feeling of the extra weight on your shoulders, it's showing up in the way you're living your life right now. You, things yeah. are getting a little messy in your personal life, basically. Is what For sure. And yeah. and
5: and it's interesting, too, because I don't even know how to sometimes, like, what even to do. So, like, there's a lot of things to do, and I'm not even doing one thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, if yeah. That makes sense.
4: Well, there is some research in this. Like, the more options in front of us that we have in terms of things we need to do, the more that paralysis sits in. Analysis we, paralysis. It's an, well, a little bit of analysis paralysis, but it's also called the paradox of choice. And in fact, when you present people with a lot of options in front of them and We're you're like, pick anything. If there's one option, it's easy to pick. If there's two options, eh, it's not so hard. One looks better than the other. You can kind of tell. But if you give like 15 things you need to do, I could clean my room. I could clean the van. I could do homework. I could prepare for this. Perfect. Yeah. It's harder to try to figure yeah. out like priority. What should I do right now?
5: Yeah. And, and I feel like that's so interconnected with like mental health of like, what's the next thing I should do? And yeah. if I know what the next thing I should do, I feel way better. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Um, and, and, and just kind of like working down the list yeah. of like, yep, I'm doing this, doing this or yeah. like, or, oh, so when I tell my kids like, Hey, get in the van, we're, we're going grocery shopping yeah. and they're in the middle of like a fortnight match. Yep. They're, they're mad. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they, you're they, ruining our life. They're, yeah.
4: <laughs> you're like, I'm trying to get stuff to feed you. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. You're ruining my life. That's exactly their
5: sentiments. Uh, but if I was like, hey, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Okay. We're going to be going to the grocery store. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They might be like, but let me get one more kill. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But they're going to like, they'll be like, they're going to get in the van. not so like begrudgingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like we're the same way. Like mm-hmm. our, like if we are like, hey, Stephen, tomorrow we're gonna do this, mm-hmm. do this, and then do this. Mm-hmm. So when we get there, there's not like as much resistance to yeah. it. Yeah. It's like okay, I'm just gonna, I deem this as valuable to do, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it.
4: Is or are you saying it's easier if you can kind of see the path in front of you and each step you need to take? You, you got the the muscle and the willpower to push through each of those steps as they come, but organizing the steps is a little more difficult.
5: I don't, I don't know. I don't know if organizing the steps okay. is
4: difficult. I, I, I think that it's difficult to,
5: to do that consistently because mm. it almost seems like, oh, no, like, I know what I'm doing. Right. I'll just do it. Right. Okay. But to actually sit down and, like, give yourself expectations of what yeah. to expect for the next, like, you know, hour, day, yeah. Yeah. week. Hopefully you can get up to, like, start planning months and years, you know, at least, um some pieces of it.
4: Yeah, it's another concept we have called the begin with the end in mind where you can kind of see mm. the end. I know for myself, I'm, I'm back in school. I'm a student as, as well right now. And when I have a huge project in front of me to write, like I have a 10 page paper I'm working on right now, which isn't massive, but it's chapter reviews on a book. And I'm just like, I just got to do one chapter today. That's it. And I'll do another one tomorrow and I'll do another one the day after. It's just like bit by bit. Yeah. And before you know it, I'll have written a precess, which is a summary of a textbook a 10 or 12 page paper that'll be done event by the end of the week, but I'm only going to do it bit by bit by bit. And I can see that it'll be done by Friday.
3: Yeah.
5: Right
4: now it's Monday. Yeah. I can see it'll be done. And so you I probably know.
5: feel good about like the, the yeah. momentum of it. Right.
4: It, well, exactly. And I was, I was going to say, you know, just getting little pieces done at a time, you get that win, you get that little dopamine and now you're like, all right, I got a little energy to hit the next mm. project and get a little win there.
5: See, and I think that's kind of like the point I was trying to get to is that like when, when things are happening, life seems easy. Right. right. And I'm handling a lot. Yeah. But then when I'm doing nothing and I don't know how to start, life feels really difficult. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, well, when I was, when, when things were feeling good, I was doing a lot of things. Yeah. Wake up, you know, do my habits, yep. hit the gym, yep. you know, get the sk- kids to school. I feel like super dad. Right. And yep. like, I'm crushing it at life, but I'm handling a lot. But then, when that momentum's not there, and you're doing nothing, and it's hard to even just like make that first step. Yeah. That's when life is difficult. Yeah. And you don't really have the, you don't really have the the foreknowledge of like this is the next step I'm going to take. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost constant. Like, am I even on the right staircase right now? Ooh you know? yeah.
4: That is difficult. A, I think you're talking about momentum. Once you get some momentum going in the kind of rhythm of life, a lot of people adapt to the rhythm of college life. Two jobs, full-time schedule. It takes a minute to adapt to that. Uh And once you kind of get yourself going, I think it's a little bit easier. But getting getting your momentum started, and when you don't have certainty that this is the direction I want to go, or even this is the best way to go about it, Uh that's pretty paralyzing, right?
5: Yeah. I almost feel like... uh, My I have friends that are in like doctor programs or like dentist programs or Mm -hmm. nursing programs and like. They just know like they're like, oh, "Oh, yeah, for the next four years, this is what this is what I'm doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's a little stressful. Mm -hmm. But like even within that stress, there's like there's there's some peace. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. They just they just know they know that what this is a staircase I'm on. These are the steps I'm taking. Yeah. And like, I don't I feel like my my path is a little bit more subjective. Yeah. than, Than concrete. Yeah. Which is like it's okay,
4: But you can see how some certainty would make things a little bit easier. Certainty would make things a lot better mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, you're in college. What are you in college for? What's the plan? How did you end up in college?
5: Yeah. So that's a very interesting question. I was, uh, I left church Mm -hmm. and, uh, I met somebody who owned a barber. He he came to our church and Mm -hmm. he owned the barber shop right next door. Got it. And so the next day I went and got my haircut. You know, barbershop, they're, they're in there talking trash and just, yeah, yeah. you know, like it's, yeah. it's just, it's a fun time, but it's, it's a mixture of like talking trash and then like philosophizing deep it. stuff. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. it's, a,
4: it's a mixture, right? It, and it does. Yep.
5: It's so good. And so the owner of the barbershop said he was going to go back to college hmm. and get his like business degree. Cause he was like, I don't know how to run the, my own Got books it. here. And it's like, not, I'm making money, but I don't know how to manage it. Yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, that's cool. He's like, Oh, I'm doing this thing called re reconnect program.
4: Mm, where, yeah.
5: you know, pretty much I get to go to school for free. I was like, School for free? Yeah, it's
4: like a scholarship. Yeah.
5: yeah. And I have never thought about myself in college really? before that moment. Okay. But I was like, free college, like maybe I could maybe I could do that. And I had just this is like year into my sobriety. Got right. It. And year into even me thinking I can handle life on mm, life's term as mm-hmm. they say and like yeah, yeah. in like NA. Um I went home that night. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. School for free. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to fill out those papers. Yeah. i would never been the one to like, <laughs> you know, here's this cool idea, but I never, I'm, I never like followed through on it. Mm. So I was yeah. still identifying with this person who doesn't follow through, yeah. right? Yeah. I just sat down mm-hmm. for like three hours and I did all the paperwork. Wow. Just right there. Because I was wow. like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be this person anymore who wow. doesn't seize opportunities. Yeah. So, I just sat down and I did it. 2 days later, this girl from LCC calls me and she was like, "Hey, you know, your your all your stuff went through and like like you're going to be starting in the summer, um, but you didn't pick a major." <laughs> this
1: is this yeah. is
5: how far removed from my mind being a student was. Yeah. The question, and I know you're going to laugh here. I was like, "What's a major?"
4: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea, bro. Isn't that a rank in the army? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so uh, she,
5: I was like, can you just list off a few? And she must have been in the C's. Okay. She was like, she said something, child development, communication, Uh something else with the C. And then I was like,
4: communication. Go back, go back, go back, communication. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Let's try that. Yeah.
5: And I just... You know, I just rolled with it and I really haven't gave it too much thought yeah. since I've been in it. I was just like, okay, I'm here, I'm doing this, but you know, it has been something i you, you mentioned begin with the end in mind. Yeah. That's one of the first books I read, mm. um, mm. was well, think and grow rich and seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. Seven highly of af- seven habits, of highly effective people was such a transformational book for me because it made me think about, you know, what my identity was, yeah. what are, what are the roles I play? what are the roles? What do I want those roles to become? Mm-hmm. And like, how can I not just work hard, but actually strategize mm-hmm. to become what I want to be. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean just like having money. The, one of the questions they ask you in the book is like, okay, imagine you're at your funeral and mm-hmm. your brother's coming up to speak about you. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want him to say? Nice.
4: Yeah. You know? Yep.
5: And I look like, whoa, like, yeah and and so it has you break down your 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 future into these different components mm-hmm. um you know what what do you want to mean to your family what do you want to mean to your 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 professional life and to yeah. your community at large or whatever yeah and so while i was starting school i was still like reading books i heard this quote it said don't let your school get in the way of your education ooh and since i've been in school that's so T-
4: say more about that what what does that mean so i i think i get it but just for
5: Yeah. I mean, I feel like there is this, this programming that takes place in college. Right. Yep. And so like, Hey, you, you, you have to follow this exact, uh, routine of curriculum and to have like this, everybody that graduates is going to have these ideas in their heads or they're going to have followed this logic. Yeah. Right. But like, Education is more of like, uh, that's knowledge, right? Right. School is knowledge. Right. But education, I think what that quote means is like wisdom. And understanding. You know, you have those things, then you really know how to operate in the malleable space of reality that is like, you know, how do I actually exist in this place and and become symbiotic with the people Mm -hmm. around me? Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm. uh, I've learned more from books, like just my own reading. Yeah. Than I have in college. Cool. Yeah, you yeah. know, and that's just. Yeah, I mean, it just is what it is. But yeah, um,
4: I think a lot of people get hung up on the, the frustration of the conformity of a curriculum. I have to go to this class and do this assignment, and, then, and these aren't even in my major, but I have to get a humanities, I have to get a science, I have mm-hmm. to do math, da da, da, da da. And it's like, yeah, don't let school be the enemy of an education. Yeah, right. It is not. It is. It is a system within which you can become educated. Right. But it's a lot of all of that's on you and what you bring to it, as you say, and um, and kind of your attitude as you come to it.
5: Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people have some sort of resentment mm-hmm. to learning mm-hmm. after coming out of school. Mm. You know, yep. like I have friends who have like master's degrees and I like talk to them about books and I, they'll be like, I hate reading. <laughs> I I'll don't like, want to read again. Yeah, Yeah. I'm like. <laughs> you have a master's degree. I figured you had like a library and like a smoke pipe. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean?
4: Like (laughs) you're just sitting around reading academic papers all the time. Yeah. I thought
5: that's what I thought as soon as you graduated, you got a smoke pipe and a robe and like a bookshelf. I thought that's that's what comes with a master's degree, but they just have like a, a resentment towards learning and like reading and like, I don't want that. I never, I never want that. Like I want to learn forever. Yeah. I just want to learn forever. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. This brings me to another concept that I was thinking about. When I think about school, I think it has two main functions. One is to is translation, the other is transformation. Translation and transformation, I think, is what I hope is happening in classrooms, which translation, I think of it this way, like the the academic at the front of the room, the professor, is communicating information to you from a bunch of scholars. Things we've learned, they're translating all the science and the data, and everything we've learned up to this point, whether it's a biology class or a communication class, we're saying, here's what we've learned about communication. Let me help you understand that. So they're translating all the science and the art of that. When you get that information, you need to load that into your head. But you, for me, you need to become a different person as a result of that. You need to transform. Mm. It's not, it's one thing to understand communication better. It's another thing to be able to be a better communicator. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's what you're after, right? You want your education to be transformative. And when you say, I want to be a lifelong learner, what I hear is like, I want to be a lifelong, I want to be lifelong transforming.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah lifelong transforming. That's a really, that's or growing. Really, yeah, yeah. 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 Constantly transforming, yeah. uh, renewing the mind. So like talk about communication. So I've take three or four communication classes in a row Yeah. and you know, I've, I've, en- I've enjoyed the experience, but I've also like, you can't, you can't look at these concepts of communication and just ponder them. And mm. become a better communicator. Right, right. I emceed uh, an event two weeks ago for my job. Okay. Right, like we had this community event. Nice. They asked me to be the MC. I've never been an MC before. And You're like, I'll do that. I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> just like that's me. Like I lean into yeah, the yeah. the discomfort yeah. of things that I think will transform me. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, that was such a transformational pro- mm.
4: uh, uh,
5: endeavor for me, mm-hmm. um, especially like so. I had all these notes yeah. written out and i was like going off these notes and then all of a sudden i was like i can't do these notes anymore it's making me like stiff it's mm-hmm. making me like rigid and i'm not mm-hmm. paying attention to what's going on mm-hmm. and as soon as i like made the decision break away from the notes mm-hmm. i all of a sudden became more submerged into the experience mm-hmm. and reflected that through my words and i was way more a part of it i was made way more relevant yeah and it was so um that was like the real education It's like, yeah. I was learning in that moment. Yeah. Right. And that's like a, a, a part of me that will never, and, and now I have the, the confidence that I have the competence to, you know, show up yes. without notes and just understand the event yes. and be able to adapt to it and, and provide what's needed, yeah. you know, verbally to the experience. Yeah. And like, that was real education for me. I wouldn't yeah. have been able to do that in like a classroom yeah or I mean some maybe some classes like I mean you 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 just spoke like you know hopefully you know some classes are are transformational Mm -hmm.
4: and
5: not just translational right right
4: yeah I think we need to give students the opportunity to show that they've learned the material I really do I think we should give tests and quizzes and be like show me that you've learned the data set that we're trying to hand on to you Um, but I, I think hopefully classes give students opportunity to show their transformation which for me and I was terrified of doing this stuff in school. It was like go up and give a speech in front of your class about hey, I learned something about positive psychology. I'm gonna tell you what that is for the next five or ten minutes. Or I'm gonna work in a small group and we're gonna have to come up with a project and give it to the professor. Or we're gonna have to give it to the, you know show it to the class. That creative side, mm-hmm. which is kind of what you're describing as MCing. You did all this preparation, I'm sure. Yeah. And all these notes. And then by the time you were done with all that, you were like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm ready. I've already changed as a result of having done that. Now I can show up and be creative mm-hmm. and in the moment yeah and be steven yeah and not steven's notes
5: (laughs) exactly yeah and being creative from what i've learned already yeah 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 Yeah. something about creation that like just like creating first of all like makes time disappear yeah you know and like second of all it's so interesting because i deem myself as having a bad memory right (laughs) okay but i can remember over like 15, 16,000 words of yeah. my poetry. Yeah. In my songs. Wow. Right? And it's like, what is that?
4: You don't have a bad memory.
5: <laughs> no, but I, for most things. Yeah. I hear but what, you're what saying. is this? What is this like, okay, I enter into this this is what I'm trying to say. Like I enter into this 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 um place that seems like outside of reality.
4: Yeah outside of time.
5: Yeah outside of time. Yeah. And this is the creative process, yeah, right? The like zone. the zone, the flow state the flow state, yeah. You know and then whatever my brain is producing, yeah, you know, or pulling out yeah. from within, I don't forget those things, yeah, you know, and that's learned because mm-hmm. it wasn't in my brain prior. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. here I, I like, okay, let's say I do a study session, mm-hmm. same amount of time, hour, right? Yep. I could do this study session. And if I take a quiz right afterwards, I could probably like answer the quiz, yep. you know, which I try to do so that I don't like I don't do it later. So <laughs> that's like, called cramming.
4: It works yeah, a little works.
5: bit <laughs> yeah. for the short term.
4: It does, yeah.
5: But you know, you ask me these things like a, a week later, it's like mm. I'm not. Yeah. You know, I yeah. didn't enter into it in this yeah. same way. But then I go into like I play a beat and I write for you know 20, 25 minutes or yeah. uh, 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. I will never forget those lyrics. Yeah. Ever. It's it's now like ingrained into my brain
4: yeah what is that that is something to investigate yeah <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm think as you're saying that I'm thinking like you have this skill set in one area of your life writing music and being able to recall that and perform that which I think you've performed your your spoken word and your, uh-huh. your music before and you can do it you can recall it and do it and so the other side of this is as a student can you recall and perform when needed in yeah. that domain too and like how do we cross that bridge you know How do you get into a flow state as a student? Hmm. And I think it gets easier the further we go in college, right? I I went through a master's degree, obviously in counseling, loved it. The further I got into my program, the more I came, you know, in love with the material I was learning. So I learned it much easier. Yeah. And I was excited about learning it and I would read stuff that wasn't required. You know, I was at that stage. I want to be there. You're going to get there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But like in the beginning, I'm like, man, I just don't care about this subject very much. It's hard for me to care enough to learn it. Yeah. So... But at the end, what I convinced myself was I care enough because I got to get that degree. I got to graduate so I can get to the next thing and get to the next thing. So sometimes school is a little bit of a means to an end and you apply all your skills so you can make it there.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That's what it feels like right now.
4: So what? we got a few minutes left. What are your tips for mental health? Like maintaining balance. You've already come on and very vulnerably shared like, dear, I'm a recovery coach. I help people kind of get their lives afloat. Yeah, And I'm not really, I'm like bailing water out of my own ship right doesn't now. doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> you know? As a counselor, trust me, we don't have our stuff squared away, yeah. even though we got books on how to square everything away Yeah, and we got a head full of it. But what are some things like tips you could recommend to students even, or just anybody listening? Like, yeah, um, this is how you start. Such
5: a good question. And, and that's been a, con- that's like my education, right? Yeah. Like that's the real education. Like yeah. how can I be okay in my head? Yeah. Right. Like no education matters yeah. as much as that, yeah. you know? Yeah. If you can figure out how to be okay in your head, you won already. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't need much. You know. Yep. So one thing is focus. I feel like like focus, and what I mean by that is we're constantly being pulled back and forth, yeah. right, between our phones. Yep. Between there's just so much, right? The TVs, the the radio, everything is pulling our attention, yep. and so. I don't really know exactly what that's doing, mm-hmm. but it's not making us okay mm-hmm. in our head. Got it. And so, and it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Like what's the next step I take, right? Yeah. Or like, Oh, I know the next step I'm taking. It's this. And like, yeah. you're not able to have the awareness in your head mm-hmm. if you can't focus. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So for me, journaling is huge, yeah. huge. And not just journaling. Like this is what I did today. Yeah. Right. It's intentional creation of a certain type of mindset yeah gratitude usually yeah right yeah it's like i I start off my journals i'd be like hi friend Mm -hmm. thank you for taking the time to talk with me you know and i've created a friendship with myself a relationship with myself right and doing that consistently five minutes yeah five to seven minutes you know just just write about like what you like about life. Yeah. Write about a problem and how you are mm. confident that you're going to solve it. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have the information mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. you will find it, mm-hmm. you know? I think that creates like faith, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is another like huge pillar is like being able to not just think that we're on a floating rock of meaninglessness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cuz that's not going to end yeah, yeah. into a good place mentally. Yeah. yeah. So being able to establish some faith Mm-hmm. Um, About reality just being good, yeah, you know, which it can't. It, and life can be good, yeah. Life can be good because you can't. I don't think that you can have meaninglessness and deem reality as good. Yeah. I don't think that you can have those two mindsets. So trying to steer away from meaninglessness, yeah. find some some concrete meaning. Yeah. Um. So I I think another bedrock for me is exercise. Yeah. Like getting the heart pumping. Yep. You know. Um. And trying to do that early in the morning, yeah. getting that out the way so that you can experience, I call it the other side of the veil. Mm. So like, i will be like, man, why do I feel like, you know, just crap right now? Yeah. And then I exercise and it's like the veil's lifted and all of a sudden everything's bright. And I'm like,
4: well, what? It didn't feel like yeah. this a
5: minute ago. So I really think um, being able to be aware of your thoughts and having because then you can have a relationship with yourself and you can be conscious of the things that are being said in your head. Cause I still say like, even though I have, like I'm a friend of mine, like I'm my friend, you're a friend
4: of yourself. Yeah.
5: I still say things to myself that are like, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. But because I'm
4: aware, I can be like, Hey man, like Mm -hmm.
5: don't talk to me like that.
4: Yeah. We have this. Well, so it's cool. You're recommending two things and we'll wrap the show up here, which is get into your head a little bit further intentionally with gratitude. Right. Spend some time thinking through your thoughts. Get some objectivity around your thoughts. See what you're thinking. Write it out on paper. Mm-hmm. Get some space and some distance so you can look at it. And then the other thing is get out of your head. Get yeah. into your body. Yeah. Start moving your body around, and your emotional state and your cognitive state will change if you change your physical state because yeah. you're a mind-body. Yeah. You're not one or the other. You're not switching back and forth. You're both. Mm-hmm. As best as we understand it, you're a mind-body. So, I love this. Uh, you know, advice around what we call kind of existential ideas like what am I doing with my life where am I going how do I see myself Mm -hmm. what's meaningful to me and I would just encourage people who are listening hey if you're a currently enrolled student at LCC and you want to learn more about this identity and purpose or how to manage your emotions and feelings and stuff like that you can come to the LCC Counseling Center we have free licensed professional counselors there you can learn more at lcc.edu slash counseling and I invite you to look into that and to pursue your own mental health as well as you can I'd like to thank you Stephen for coming on the show today thank you Appreciate it. Have a great day, man.
5: You too, brother.
0: This is LCC Connect Voices, Vibes, Vision.
1: Coming in February to the Black Box Theater, Lansing Community College presents The Thanksgiving Play by Larissa Fasthorse. Good intentions collide with absurd assumptions in this wickedly funny satire as a troupe of terminally woke teaching artists scrambles to create a pageant that somehow manages to celebrate both Turkey Day and Native American Heritage Month. Performances February 23rd through March 2nd. For more information, visit lcc.edu showinfo show info.
0: Hey Ann, what you doing with your fun? Do
1: flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look.
2: The Modern Warehousing Program through the Job Training Center at Lansing Community College is an industry-led program that prepares individuals for frontline material handling and supply chain logistic positions in medical centers, fulfillment centers, warehouses, and factories. Those who complete this program can earn multiple certifications. Visit lcc.edu/jtc-training for more information.
5: LCC Connect voices, vibes,
1: vision. You're listening to Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. designing art installations over time um, the thought process usually starts out extremely ambitious Um, sky's the limit in your mind you know and then over time the projects usually suffer from a series of compromises uh, budgetary constraints logistics and so on and ultimately the finished product usually turns out well uh, but it never quite hits that that mark that you originally had in your mind with regard to the wow factor Once in a while, um, there will be a project that will go in the exact opposite direction. It'll start out modest and it'll wind up to be uh, fantastically well executed and exceed all expectations. This is one of those projects. Our CAD lab at uh, LCC West, uh, home of our Technical Careers Division, our CAD lab, Computer Aided Design, was um, calling this room Unremarkable, is doing it a service, (laughs) was doing it a service. it was a basic cinder block classroom with 15 or 20 or so workstations, CAD workstations for our students, and uh, extremely underwhelming with, the, you know, just just very all business. I mean, there's nothing to it. And we wanted to do something more visually appealing than a mere wall graphic or just some color somewhere. There had to be something, something we could bring to bear to reflect the the discipline that was being taught and understood in this space. So um, we started thinking about the ceiling. What could we do with the ceiling or we hang something from the ceiling without going through all the moves, describing all the different ideas we had, we wound up we landed on building a coffer, I think that's what it's called a coffer. It's a recessed area that goes up into the ceiling. I think this had it was like 36 inches deep up into the ceiling, 10 or 12 feet wide by 20 feet long. I mean it was pretty big. Uh, painted black, and the thought was to to build gears that would reside within the space. I mean, 3D, like actual built-out gears that would look like they were made of of metal, right? And the, you know, the spur gears that you see in watches and manufacturing, So metaphors of interaction, they're called. So the next step was to, once again, as I've said before, figure out how are we going to do it? You know, we discussed all these different materials, plywood and, you know, cardboard, and nothing was taken off the table. And um, oddly, strangely, what we landed on was the uh, Owens Corning pink insulation, those large foam sheets that you see at the uh, big home improvement stores. the stuff is uh, very cost-effective and very malleable and and carvable, it turns out. And as luck would have it, LCC has a remarkable scene shop that supports our Performing arts department with regard to building scenery for the, the various amazing plays that we, that we put on through the year. They had just acquired a new plot a cutting device and basically you could take a four foot by eight foot sheet of whatever and put it in there and they'd put a cutting head on the stylus and, and they would program something in and it would cut it would cut out the shape and they could build various things for the scenes and the plays. Well, we, uh, through some very creative bargaining, getting students employed through the summer, Uh, we had a team of students um, employed building giant gears. Uh, Many of these gears, I think there were nine objects that wound up inside this coffer. Many of them were comprised of multiple layers of that Owens Corning pink insulation. I think it was like two inches thick. Some of these stacks were, like, 20 sheets thick because we wanted the gears to just descend from the ceiling, be very dramatic, right? We sent off the file to, um, I think it was Alros Steel that laser cut the fascia of the gears out of aluminum sheet, which was glued onto the the matching set, the body of the gear itself, and they slathered on this fiberglass. I think it was fiberglass, some type of... um, spackle that they hardened and they sanded it down by hand weeks and weeks you know students are up there in the heat sanding this down you know I had pictures and uh, they brought their game I mean they they delivered when these were installed and the installation itself was the whole story getting the pieces in there getting the forms to fit I mean these pieces were huge I mean it's 10 feet across a gear 10 feet across anyway um once they were put in I, all I can think of is Disney effect, the type of quality that um, you you stand there and you just people would generally ask they wanted the gears to move they wanted to see the gears move because they thought they would move um, you, so you walk into the room and here's this enormous work of art hang, you know coming down from the ceiling um, it was very turned out great, it was very impressive, and everybody was was very proud of it and fiscally sound. I mean, it looks like something that Design Studio would have just, it six figures. Who knows what it would have cost had we had this done professionally, but it turned out professional looking with all those multiple degrees of expertise on all fronts, bringing their talents to bear. So the CAD Lab at LCC West, get your career in gear. Paul once said, life is about using the whole box of crayons. If you want to check out what I've been talking about, just visit this episode at lccconnect.org. Art Happens Here is a production of LCC Connect. Thanks for lending us your imagination.
0: This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.